Welcome back to Keith and Watt. <laughs> to Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine. We are not starting this over a fourth time. If you're here, you already know we're a mess. So uh, just breathe in and enjoy it. This week we are talking about Deep Space Nine, Season 1, Episode 8, The Passenger. You know, the first so, time uh, it was funny when I did it. The second time was was chuckly when you did it. Mm-hmm, and now uh-huh. the third time, it's just redundant. But for you, you're all in on the joke now, Keith. Last week, you teased it on our outro, mm-hmm. and I got it right away, actually. But what I didn't know is that I was in store for multiple people doing that voice and uh, some bold choices. And you know I love bold acting choices, so we get them from every angle this week. Can't wait to talk about it. <laughs> We do have some bold choices happening on this episode, uh, you know, but there's a little bit of story as to how we ended up with those choices, which we're going to talk about later. But before we do, uh, we're we're just going to, you know, do our little pledge, little pledge drive, little NPR pledge drive to you here and ask you if you're watching this, if you're enjoying this, do us a huge favor. Be bold. Help us mm-hmm. out. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the bell notification. We are loving this pastime. We are loving this hobby, but this hobby takes a lot of time. We can help. We could use your help making it more than just a hobby. In fact, if you want to financially contribute to the show, Mm. you can do so by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash K and M. Spell out the and, and you can join the illustrious other patrons who are getting in early in this multi-gajillion dollar empire. Keith? (laughs) <laughs> including alan zimmerman jorge Navoa, cloud lover 69 brian kaufman and casey clark and uh let me tell you folks there's some really fun stuff that we have up there on the patreon some bonus content we have and we have amas every month we have bonus episodes every month you can watch mike watch deep space nine you can watch us uh do our out of practice podcast podcast uh you can actually watch us do it Lots of crazy fun stuff, uh, new stuff coming in. So uh, please join us there on patreon.com slash K and M. So uh, I think eh, we did a little pledge drive. That was fun. Yeah, it was great. Uh, but I'm really excited to talk about this episode. And in order to do that, I'm going to set up the context of the world. Because Deep Space Nine Season 1, Episode 8, The Passenger, aired on Sunday, February 22nd, the year 1993. We all had our Walkmans tuned to the same tune, which we've been stuck in our head all of this time, Michael. Bittersweet memories, that is how I'm taking with me. That, of course, is so a uh, upsetting version of so I Will Always Love You, the Dolly Parton written and Whitney Houston sung smash hit in 1993. And you want to know what else was a smash hit in 1993? The top movie this weekend was Groundhog Day. Ned? The top movie was Groundhog Day. That Watch joke out for that first never step. will get it's a old it's a doozy needle nosed ned uh yes later adapted into a broadway musical which i found very delightful me too i I loved it there it is so uh 
The New York Times headline on this Sunday was CBS buys a theater to keep Letterman on New York's stage. So uh, CBS bought the Ed Sullivan Theater as a way to uh, lure David Letterman, Letterman to take over the late night at the beginning of the late night wars. Letterman Leno, uh, one of the most rewatchable HBO TV movies was about the uh, Letterman Leno wars. I don't know why. I don't know why I keep watching it, but I uh, I found it enjoyable. Multiple times you've watched it. Multiple times. Yeah, that's, it's that's like it's absolutely absurd. It, it it doesn't make a lot of sense, but I I I find the behind the scenes machinations of that kind of stuff sort of fascinating. So, whatever. Hey Keith, so, if you are if you're if you're interested in the behind the scenes machinations of this show, yeah, uh, patreoncom KNM. Okay, continue. Yeah, you can see the uh, ridiculous rigs that we have set up to bring you. This nonsense. There are uh, one, two, three, four, five lights in front of me here to to just show this. It seems not worth it. Anyway, so let's talk about the behind-the-scenes machinations of this episode of Deep Space Nine. So The Passenger was directed by Paul Lynch, and this is his third episode of the season. Uh, he also directed A Man Alone in Culess. Oh, we loved this. So, uh, very, uh, very busy fellow. And it was written, it had a story and teleplay by Morgan Gendel, who wrote two episodes of The Next Generation, including, uh, arguably one of the top two or three episodes of all of Star Trek, The Inner Light, and two episodes of Deep Space Nine. And has a teleplay by Robert Herrett Wolf, who, uh, was also the teleplay on Culus, and of course, Michael Piller. So now, now that we know who wrote, who directed it, I think it's time for something trivial, Mike. What do you say? I say this. Now, Keith, waste your time with Trivial Trivia. Okay. So uh, some interesting things in this. First off, I mentioned it last week, but uh, Colomini was out this episode and the last one and the next one. Because he was filming a movie. And I I checked IMDb. I think it's either War of the Buttons or The Road to Wellville. But uh, Colomini kept his, his film career going throughout the entire series. Because what film isn't better with Colomini in it? Let's, uh, let's be honest. So the next piece of trivia is Morgan Gendel, who wrote the teleplay and the story, scripted a song for Quark to sing. But it was scrapped. He said, quote, I had Quark singing a whole little ditty like a hobbit. I took a day to write this ditty about making money while he's serving people and shorting them on their drinks. I thought it was hysterical and also thought if I turned it in, they were going to laugh me out of the room. I'm trying to think Which, where in the cut they would have put that. but I, I don't think it ever got far enough to be a part of the script uh, because he did have the good sense of maybe let's... And I say this as somebody who has devoted my life to musical theater. Both of us have. Uh, that would be terrible. Yeah, not so, a great uh, idea. Although there is that like kind of scene right before he gets, spoiler alert, uh, choked out that uh, I guess he could have been singing a little ditty. He could have been. He could have been. So uh, anyway, glad Nothing, it's not a there's musical. Never, as Keith, you would speak, as the composer of the two of us, you would uh, speak it, to nothing it buttons a song better than getting choked out. 
Uh, for sure. I I don't. I, oh my god, so many dirty things that just went in my head. But we're not doing Deep Space Nine after dark. But we know how Mike enjoys an evening. So the uh, <laughs> bad. It's bad. So trivia piece number three. Just choke me out and rub my ears. <laughs> Get some Umox to passing out. Great. Uh, Umox to unconsciousness. That's uh, that's that's how we do Saturday nights here. All right. So the last piece of trivia is Alexander Sitting, a uh, Bashir originally spoke in a different voice uh, when he was doing bad Doctor Bashir, uh, but it was scrapped. So most of his lines were ADR'd. Interesting. Uh, so, however, when they ADR'd it, they couldn't change the pacing. Yep. So whatever voice he was doing when he did a different voice, the lips had to match. Uh, I wonder what the original voice he did was. Because the one I he would did love was, felt like a voice. Yeah. What the original voice was. Uh, but... You know, obviously, this is it's a little eggy. We're going to talk about it. You know, it's like a famous episode for that. But in 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 Sitting's defense, and just imagine this: if you're in a television setup, they handed him the script the day before they shot, so he had had no idea he was even the lead in the episode. No idea he was going to have to do an evil version of his character. No plan, no time to make a plan on what voice to do. He was like, oh, he had a script and go. Uh, so it definitely set, not setting him up for success, uh, making him come up with a uh, with a bad guy Bashir voice. Um, but that's that's TV for him. The, uh, the pacing of it is boom, boom, boom. So uh, there we are. The guest stars on this episode include James Lashley, who plays Lieutenant Primmon. Uh, he also played Ensign Kopf in the TNG episode Brothers. And Julie Caitlin Brown, who played Ty Gashada. Uh, she also played Vekor on the Next Generation episodes Gambit, part one and two. And uh, for you other sci-fi nerds out there, she was also on Babylon 5. And lastly, James Harper plays Vantica, or at least the first version. I know, poor of that, Vantica. poor that guy. He's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get it this whole episode. And they're like, yeah, no, 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 you're gonna die. So, all right, so let us now hop into our viewing room and discuss the passenger. All right, here we go. I have a lot of questions actually about this episode. Oh, great, great. So okay, hopefully we can get to them. Well, I, I. We'll we'll get to them, Mike. That's the, the whole purpose of the show is to get to your questions. How many more so, times do you think we have to cut in, Keith? Oh my God! I at least twice, I'd say. I we're definitely not on a uh, on a pace to get through this episode clean. So no, no. nonetheless, or do the so, other things we were going to do today. It looks like no, not at all. We have no chance of doing that. Yeah. Somebody has a hard out. Yep. All right. So in our teaser, better than a hard in, Keith. You know what I mean? It. Well, it depends on your perspective. So, in <laughs> is this the kind of dirty humor you're interested in? Help us out. K and M. That's after patreon.com slash. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> they quit halfway through episode eight. I, they said they were going to do the whole series and they quit halfway through oh, episode man. eight. What happened? It's a delightful uh. crap show. 
delightful S show. Do we can we mm. curse? Do we do explicit on YouTube? Yeah, we, we shouldn't. Do. We should try not to. If I oh, guess we just okay. get a sex well, joke. Uh, too light for that. All right. Well, you know, but sci-fi lets you, you know, be uh, provocative, mm-hmm. but you use sci-fi terms. You'll never know. Anyway, Umak. in our teaser, <sighs> Bashir and Kira are returning on the runabout. Uh, Kira is trying to compliment Bashir on saving somebody, but he is wildly obnoxious, uh, but for some reason doesn't hit on her. I kept, uh, yeah, despite... I wondered why that was happening. It's odd, right? Especially since they married in real life later. Did so, I know uh, that? Did we already talk about that? I think I might have mentioned it offhand, but uh, oh, that's yeah, that's weird. That's cool. They they were married for a while, uh, and they they met on the show. So there you go. Uh, but they get a distress signal on an alien ship, and they rush off to save them naturally. And they beam onto the other ship without showing the exterior because the budget must have been tight that week. Uh, and in there, they discover a prisoner uh, about uh, that a prisoner on the ship caused a fire. And Bashir tries to save him against the wishes of his guard. So uh, we're, we're we're on a ship. There's fire. How are you feeling at this point, Mike? Well, the only thing I thought we were missing was a, was a ticking clock. But then, of course, she said that the, he only had uh, like um, 90 seconds of oxygen left. So we got the ticking clock. It's not clock. a lot of oxygen. No. That's uh, that's tough. But uh, so Bashir comes in. Cool. I mean, it, it's weird. They didn't have the budget to have an exterior for the ship, but they had all this fire. And all of that fun stuff. Yeah, but did um, you notice that, which I think is, was really disguised fairly well, not only did they have uh, the budget for fire, but they had the stunt budget to have the actress playing Kira come out and put the fire out. But what you can see is the insurance made it that she had to wear a fire sleeve. So she's wearing an entire fire sleeve that they attempt to doctor like with costuming, but it's clearly just a huge fire sleeve she's wearing. It's pretty funny. Oh, I didn't even catch that. That's cool. Uh, good catch, Mike. Good catch. So, uh, Bashir comes up to the prisoner, but the prisoner grabs Bashir by the throat and says something. Uh, I, I don't know if you have the line, Mike, but it I goes something it was, like, Make me live. Yeah, well, if you wanted to rush through it. Uh, <laughs> Zing. <laughs> It was like, and, he was into it. Yeah, it was like, this is important. <laughs> <laughs> then he dies. But Did he don't grab him, though? Does he grab that. him when he does it? Yeah, he grabs him by the throat. Okay, because at some point he had to get implanted. Well, oh, I don't want to give it to him. I guess we are talking about it. I mean, I think by this point they've probably seen the This episode. is where it has to happen, right? This is the only place it could have happened. Yes, yeah, well, they, they discuss it later, that he's got a, a cellular thing in his hand that okay. he transfers there when, it, when his thing is So then this necks. fixes my wormhole already. Like, so all of the times where we don't see uh, the bad guy, and he's whispering, and he's, like, in lots of sweaters, <laughs> clearly wearing many sweaters uh, as disguise, <laughs> it's Bashir? That's what we're to understand? Yes. Okay, great. I didn't know if that was just him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because at first, my, you should, Keith, if you, Keith, you should become a patron to watch my watch along, <laughs> because... I have some wild theories about how he's popping from person to person because they do such a great job of, of of presenting red herrings. Anyway, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, uh, folks, that is, I, I ain't paying to, uh, <laughs> but but you should. <laughs> Somebody gift Keith a Patreon. 
<laughs> just because I don't spend enough hours staring at you. I know. Look at these teeth, man. I paid for these teeth. These are for you, Keith. Oh, look, they're beautiful. All right. So anyway, we begin act one back on Deep Space Nine. Bashir wakes up the guard, Ty Kajada, a.k.a. Clarice Starling. And he doesn't hit on her either. Come on, no. Bashir. It's very, it, it's weird. It's weird. Anyway, so Clarice is very concerned about making sure that Vantica, a.e. Hannibal Lecter, is being super dead. Uh, we learn that he's faked his death a bunch of times and is a super bad guy. She's like, she is makes he nearly dead or is clear. he really quite sincerely quite dead? Quite sincerely dead. No. Yeah. No, that's a that's a big, big question. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they definitely hit that on the head pretty hard. Um, no surprise. Like, I want to see his body. I want you to autopsy him. And hey, by the way, do you have a huge syringe? Right, right. Oh, they they look in his eye. They look mm -hmm. his optical nerve. See if there's anything alive there. That's a cool, cool mm -hmm. effect. Cool makeup. So uh, yeah, no, that's a big deal. So at Quarks, Odo and Quarks spar about Dex naturally, and uh, you know, of course, we're reinforcing here that Quark is just as horny for uh, Dax as Bashir. Yeah, but guess and what? Also Odo's pretty horny for her too. No, he's not. Yes, he is. He's like, oh, she's a loner. I'm a loner. And then, of course, Odo's like, oh, do you have a loner boner? And Odo just looks silently. But in that silence, we know. That he has, I'm sorry, the quote was, he has a loner boner? I, I believe, yes, Keith, I believe that was the phrase coined this episode. I, I would like to formally apologize <laughs> to everyone watching and or listening to this. Keith, I made it like a, a relative six to seven episodes, like relatively serious. So I, a couple loner boners here and there. You know, I got a pepper. I got to be me. Mike is thirsty. He's thirsty. Okay, that's a bumper from our other show, but apparently uh, Mike's uh, thirst uh, <laughs> can ne'er be clenched. Much like Vantica is able to transport itself into different vessels and different episodes. Uh, anyway, right, we're so sparring. We're sparring. At some point, uh, Quark says, smooth, pliant flesh. And uh, it's a line that only Armin Shimmerman can pull off uh, without being ridiculous. Uh, but uh, guess what? As they're talking, a, uh, a Federation officer, security officer, George Primin, comes up to Odo and starts questioning his methods and pulling rank. Apparently, there's a shipment of space goo Deridium showing up and they're all super nervous about it because uh, Vantica was planning to hijack the system. There's Primin. So uh, what did you think of, of Primin when you first met him? Uh, well, I, I thought he was fine. I mean, I thought it was pretty like blatant foreshadowing when Odo was there and he's like, I work best alone. And then they're all of a sudden they're like, hey, here's another security guy. And you're, I'm like, okay, journey, we've got to learn to partner. But it, I come to believe that he's the bad guy because I'm like, why would they just insert this character for no reason? But then we've got like this secret character, run, bad guy running around. I'm like, oh, definitely him, 100%. Oh, you thought it was Primin. That's interesting. So uh, after they meet, Primin meets with Cisco and is way condescending about Odo. We don't like him. Cisco puts him in his place and tells Primin to work with Odo. So two. Primmon's credit, he actually goes to meet Odo and apologizes. 
So maybe he's not so shitty. I don't know. It's it's hard to tell at this point what his deal is. Um, so Odo tries to show Primin his plan on how they're going to keep Vantica from stealing the space goo. But uh-oh, his Dropbox is disconnected. <laughs> and everything has been purged and wiped on the uh, on the RAM and the computer, which is not not great. You don't want to see database services not available. It's no. pretty much like uh, our tech today. Yes. So, <laughs> ah, I like I like screenshots. I really I was I mentioned in my watch along that I really enjoy seeing how they show like various future tech. So I always try right. to get a good screenshot because they it's cool. It's usually cool. It's it's uh it's pretty cool. It, it's funny that you know because we're doing this on television, we're doing it in low definition. The font sizes on all of the screens have to be enormous. Can you imagine, like, if you're looking at your computer and database services not available in like 120 point font? That'd be a uh, and no other information. Anyway, so uh, the scene continues, and Clarice arrives weirdly and says that's what Vantica did before. He also purged the memory. Uh, so my question here was, uh, where did she come from? Was she just like lurking outside of the door to the security office? Well, this is when I started to think, oh, maybe she's the bad guy. Red herring Ooh. number two, I'm thinking. Also, I'm thinking often, uh, the show does, this is like second or third time they've had a plot device where one of the characters, and I think Q was one time doing this, is basically telling the crew who's trying to figure out this mystery exactly what is happening, like solving it in real time, Jessica Fletchering like hard, and right, nobody right. wants to listen to them. Like right. in fact, they lock her security out. They're like, yeah, no, you can't. Yeah. You don't even get access. She's like, right in the the beginning of Act One. She's like, this is exactly what's happening. This is exactly <laughs> what he's done before. And they're like, blah blah blah. No, no he no, can't no. be alive. We shined a laser in his eyes, and he didn't blink. He's dead. That's... <laughs> It's the it's the laser blink test. It's un, infallible. Uh, all right. <laughs> so we begin Act Two, and it's an With all more skate screens. meeting. More screens. So many screens. It's like you know my setup here. So in an all skate meeting, Clarice is pounding the table, trying to get folks to believe her that Hannibal is still alive. Apparently, he purged the RAM, which uh, doesn't seem like it would techno babble. Techno babble. And uh, Premin keeps stepping on Odo's toes. Uh, now, of course, they're having this meeting in ops because they haven't built the set for the conference room yet. Oh. Which is why they're having that. We eventually are going to have a, a great conference room uh, on Deep Space Nine, just like they do on the Enterprise, but uh, didn't have one yet. So here we are in the Keith, on the bridge. Shocker. Odo's pissed. Yeah. Odo's pissed. Odo's not surprisingly. He's he's kind of territorial. And he quits, as a matter of fact. He does. He does. But we're not there yet, because yeah, I have at... one more sentence to say. Oh, all right. Clarice reminds us that Vantica has been working on genetic experiments to prolong his life. Now, now Odo's pissed. Odo quits. Now Odo's pissed. <laughs> <laughs> he pulls Cisco aside and tries to resign. Uh, and... Uh, Cisco tries to reassure him, but he tells him he's going to have to work with Primin and that Odo is in charge. But that's so, uh, but that's 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 short in it, Keith. He's not only that. He you know what he says to him. He goes, "I like you." Yeah, I like you a lot. You tell me how you think. I like you. Couldn't do it without you, buddy. He gives him a cool pep talk. 
I really like that scene. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's being good boss because, you know, either bosses will tell you, like, you're in charge or he's in charge. Or say, you guys have to work together. But rarely will you get the, yeah, you're in charge, but you have to work to, work together in a way, which is, uh, you know, it's good bossing. Good bossing. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Dax has discovered that someone broke into the cargo bay. She's also found a memory card in Vanica's possessions <laughs> containing a map of the humanoid brain. Oh, and it, now, is, uh, it is super good CGI. We're going to look at it in a second here. Super good CGI. So There's the memory card. XD card, yeah. Uh-huh. There's Whoa. there's a really fancy CGI for 1993. And of course, in the scene, Terry Farrell butchers Vantica's name, and they don't bother to fix it in ADR because apparently uh, Sittig took all the booth time. So uh, by now, uh, we've figured it all out, but the show's still holding on to the pretense that we're dumb. But so here's, so here's the question. At this point, I had figured out who what the transfer had happened but you had not you were no. still wondering who i at this point i still i think i'm still thinking it's uh clarice interesting but uh make me love. actually keith wasn't enough? this is yeah. a great point because this is the scene i believe that the uh ferengi diddy was supposed to be so why don't you go ahead and quickly on the spot over the next three <laughs> Screenshots. Just sing us a little Ferengi Diddy. <laughs> do wa Diddy Ferengi do Ferengi don't. Oh yes, yes. Uh, do wa Diddy. I, I I take your money. I give you drinks, but they're not that great. Hippity hop. I'm a Ferengi. Give me some Ubox, <laughs> and and my ears will inflate. Okay, right. all right. That, well, we're gonna have to workshop it, but we'll come back. <laughs> I mean, it's no worse than the than all the songs in Lord of the Rings. Those things were keep your, horrible. Keep close your enemies. Keep closer your Ferengamies. All right, let's keep. Let's just move forward. Pretend this never happened. <laughs> Where are we? Hopefully all right, the so... Ferengi is near. Oh, forget it. I can't even come up with a good pun. Quark's on his hands and knees, looking for earrings. Quark is out looking for stuff. So it's late at Quark's, which closes for some reason. It's a, I don't it's a casino. Understand. Yeah, casinos don't close. Also, like, they're in space. There's no, like, sunrise, sunset. They're, mm-hmm. like, why Why would it ever close? It's it's like a, it's like an airport. It's it's strange. Because anyway, when, but are, we, when are clandestine meetings supposed to happen? I know that happened in my place of establishment, as opposed to maybe if I'm having a clandestine meeting, maybe I want to be somewhere else, but whatever. So uh, anyway, Quark yells at his employees and then is accosted by somebody wearing very comfy ski gloves. You got to keep those hands warm when you're strangling a a Ferengi. I got nothing. All right, good. Very good. Uh, So apparently... Quark has been hired to assemble mercenaries for Vantica, uh, which is the first, actually the first truly illegal thing that he does on yeah, the show. Yeah, that was an anecdote I was going to say. Like, he's been on the fringes before, but this is the first time he's, like, he's pure bad, bad, bad like, guy. Yeah, full on, like, this is not just, like, a little bit bad. It's, like, very bad. Especially when uh, he's heard word that, like, this is the big bad that we're looking for, right? Hasn't he been party of those conversations? Yeah, yeah. And he's hiring mercenaries to allow this guy to s- 
steal the space goo, which can blow up stuff, I guess. Uh, it's weird. Um, anyway, back in the infirmary, Clarice asked Bashir to for the scan results. Uh, and he says the body was definitely uh, Vantica Hannibal. But Dax calls Bashir and shows him Vantica. So Dax calls Bashir and shows him Vantica's plan to transfer his consciousness to another brain. Uh, so here's where we get to what he actually, what the actual plan was. And uh, Bashir's, yeah, okay. sorry. I f- go back one screenshot. Uh, what I found so interesting about this scene was that they like gave a whole backstory to this extra. He clearly got a space hernia. And so he's like, here's a here's a zap. And he's like, make sure next time you lift something heavy, you use the like anti-gravity hydraulic lift. And I was mm-hmm, like, wow, they mm-hmm. really went hard into that space hernia. Now, now of course, uh, I, I've had a, a hernia, a, a non-space hernia. Mm-hmm. And as I remember, uh, it's not on my shoulder. Well, it's his back. I think he hurt his back and his hernia. Oh, I guess he didn't have, maybe he didn't have a space hernia. Maybe he just had a space backache. He could have had a herniated disc. Okay, let's go with that, Keith. Yeah, fixed it. Boom, you're welcome. Uh, yeah, so look, there's there it is. Use the anti-grav generator, which I wish I could have in real life. So Bashir says, there's room. There's a, a humanoid brain only uses a small portion of its brain, which is, uh, you know, not true. That's an old wives' tale. But apparently the uh, writers are sci-fi writers and not a doctor. Uh, but uh, it, it's it's really funny, you know, and, and perhaps that was what we believed at the time. I'm actually not entirely sure, but sometimes the science ages really well and sometimes the science doesn't age that well. Anyway, they decide that Vantica must have put his consciousness into Clarice, but she doesn't know it. So there's a red herring. And so, of course, the team decides to cut her out of the security plans. And uh, and so they, they say, like, we should surveil her. But Primen says the security teams are too tied up in preparations to surveil the number one suspect. To which I say, what are they doing? You know, they're, they're trying to stop a terrorist attack, essentially. They're going to, like, steal the plutonium and make the boom, whatever it is. And wouldn't you think that... If you're if you have a number one suspect of the of the it might be worth surveilling because it's a space station. What are they doing in preparation for somebody showing up with some goo? It's hard to say. It's, a, it's hard, it's to, say, hard to say. I don't, I don't know. Like that that part of it, like the logic of that, didn't make any sense to me. Uh. Anyway, Clarice figures out immediately that she's locked out uh, because she's smart and she confronts Odo, and she suspects Quark. So there's a a lot of filler happening, a lot of fingers being pointed. Um, And uh, we head back to Quark's, which is still closed for some reason, uh, even though everyone else is up and uh, and doing stuff. Uh, Quark is hiring the mercenaries. And of course, Clarice catches them, but then in what suffices for a Star Trek stunt, falls off of the balcony. Uh, So this uh, is where I'm certain... That she has been passengered. I'm certain it's her because there's nobody up there. Quark says there's nobody up there. Uh, I so I assumed that like the intern, the inner head, the passenger implanted in her head made her fall. I'm certain of right. it at this point. So I don't know how you figured it out, but like because clearly Bashir wasn't up there making her fall. I guess he was, but 
I don't know. They made it such a point to say nobody else was there. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's true. Well, you know, you you can't see Bashir. He's got his uh his ski go- or his ski uh, gloves on. That's true. So, I mean, it's kind of irrefutable. So, in act 3, all right, she falls. Boom, she's down. Uh in the infirmary, she says that she was pushed off. And Bashir says, "I need to make you unconscious." And uh, Quark and Odo head off to investigate. So mm, I should have picked that up, Keith. I should have sniffed that out. Mm, mm, there it is. Cisco joins Dax in the morgue, and she's scraping under Vantica's fingernails, looking for the delivery method. And uh, in what I think is a pretty cool piece of Star Trek tech, she finds a microscopic generator, which stored his consciousness. Um which is weird because a generator generates power, not storing consciousness, but whatever. Uh, I'm assuming the generator stored the memory card and it's all microscopic. That's pretty cool. Uh, they can't check Clarice until... So they go back and it's like, oh, let's check and see what's in her brain. Uh, because Bashir says it needs to be stabilized from a five-foot fall that appeared to have no injuries uh, in sci-fi terms where they can like wave a little thing and like fix a broken right. bone immediately hernia. but yeah but that but that yeah she had a space hernia so she had to be stabilized and nobody's like huh anyway uh kira tries to get some techno babble out and we discover that uh-oh primin is missing hold on Don't, you're skirting through these screenshots this is all the cool tech stuff we're looking at it is cool to cool tech stuff um yeah so you she's need finding... seven different machines to find microscopic generator yeah well i mean but it's but it's old school like cop mystery here mm-hmm. scraping under fingernails i I think that was pretty cool that um, looks like your and, that uh, looks like the 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 one of your toys on deep space or like uh your your on uh, yeah the bridge crew it sure does toy. and you see the uh the elkar thing uh that they were using there which is pretty cool it looks great i mean it's sci-fi, but it's uh, I think, I mean, the Elkar design, it has held up this whole time. It looks great. It's it makes sense. The touchscreen is way ahead of its time to the point where it doesn't feel out of date still today. Right. Um, very cool. Very cool. So, uh, anyway, uh, here we are with the here on the techno babble. We find Primin is missing. And we find out, uh, we find Quark taking the mercenaries to a runabout. And uh, they discover, uh, uh, dun, 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 it's Bashir! We meet evil Bashir. And that is the end of our act three. So, so you, who thought it was all these other people, how did you feel when it was the Bashir reveal? Well, I got that when they found his, his calm, but... Uh... Right, I, I felt it was cool. I thought it was a good twist. It made sense. It, it clicked for me. It clicked for me a little bit later because I thought that he did actually did a pretty good job with the red herrings. So uh, I found it satisfying, and I thought it was a cool little beat for for Shimmerman there to have to try to, even though it's he's so far into the plot that he can't even really back away. But he does. Uh, we got we took a wrong turn. I thought that was a good <laughs> comedy beat, um, and I was very excited to see how. Because clearly, evil Bashir had was started. He's been evil Bashir the whole time, right? Um, 
which is cool because he hasn't been doing a voice the whole time, but now he can really let loose and be his true evil self. And is it his choice on the on the on the space? Here's my question: the the yeah. is the vocal vocalization. Do you think they went that route because in the beginning that's how the character delivered his voice? So it seems like maybe that's just his cadence. And so Bashir, or I'm sorry, I, I forget the actor's name who plays Bashir. Alexander Siddig. Yeah. Yes, he just he's he's miming that. Uh, I I mean yes, from a practical standpoint, but I think I think it was more because we only get three words from the original one. Yeah. Um, that he needed to come up with a bad guy voice. But isn't that guy sort. on the ship with him? Isn't his like co-pilot on the ship at the end? Isn't he also one of those species? So could we could we say? And he talks like that too a little bit. So we could make an assumption that that's how the species talks. I don't think they're the same species. I think oh, okay. one of the mercenaries. But I, I I could be wrong on that. I genuinely could be wrong. That's but, just how I kind of that's how I connected the dots in my head because I had yeah. to make it make sense. <laughs> Well, I mean, look, from a practical standpoint, you have to show who's in charge, right? Because what they're saying about the shared consciousness, right, is that... It's locked uh, away. It's unconscious. That, right, that, that Vanica is able to take over when he wants to, but Bashir is there when he's Bashir and is not aware that he's being he's being uh, taken over. So um, so that's cool. So you need, you, you need to be able to differentiate the voices. So I get it. So... Um, Anyway, at the beginning of Act 4, Odo finds Primin, and he's doing some more investigation, and he found a bug in the plumbing, uh, playing the same basic game that, uh, that Vantica did to wipe out the uh, Dropbox the first time. So, nice work, Robert Petkoff. He found the bug. And more That's importantly, a, Odo learns to trust another key. He learns to open his heart. His uh, he doesn't have a heart, but you know he opens up the the goo where his heart would normally be. So uh, after all the plans they made to uh, protect the station, they were they were doing all sorts of stuff. Like they were gonna like we're gonna say we're gonna dock in uh, in docking bay eight, but really it's gonna be twelve. But really it's gonna be seven, and they've got security everywhere. Uh, none of that matters because uh, Bashir takes the runabout. And goes out to meet the ship as opposed to letting it even get to Deep Space Nine. And uh, on the transfer ship, we see... So uh, let me see if we get to the... Uh, there's the transfer ship. And I thought this was interesting because... Hey, that's a that's a cool model. That's a cool shot mm -hmm. right there um, with all the details. But here on the transfer ship, right, which is supposed to be from this other species, there's all those Federation L-cars. So they're it's like they're they're running Windows Federation Windows on this alien ship. It's ubiquitous software. I guess so. It's I found it. I find it. It took me out a little bit because like, is this a Federation transfer ship? Is it not? Because those extras there are clearly not wearing Federation. They're not part of the. They're not wearing Federation uniforms. But I don't know. That was that was a question. I, I don't know what to what to make of the L cars, but uh, there it is. So be it. Uh, so uh. The uh, we then had the shootout, and uh, and in the shootout, the rules are uh, all of the extras have to dance into frame, freeze, and then be shot. Yes. So it's utterly ridiculous this shootout because it's like basically they do this, <laughs> zap down. <laughs> they do literally nothing. Um, but there's and, a lot of cool uh, little they, laser shooty shoots. 
lots of laser shooty shoots. That's fun. And uh, Evil Bashir takes command. They put a tractor beam on the... Uh, uh, but Deep Space Nine puts a tractor beam on the ship. And Evil Bashir is pissed because he thought, because he'd uh, disconnected them from Dropbox, their tractor beam wasn't going to work. But uh, luckily, Primin was all over it. So uh, Cisco hails them. We meet Vantica, uh, you know, Evil Bashir, with some uh, uh, pretty awful dialogue. Poor Alexander Sig Siddig. This is a pretty eggy scene for him here. Um, not his fault. Evil Bashir threatens to blow up the ship. I think you let him off the hook too easy. Well, look, he's like 20-something years old. They give him the script the night before. All right, all right. You know what? You know what? Mike, all you evil do voice. Is give me a little bit of evil, Keith. Give me movie trailer guy with a little bit of gravel. Would have been better than whatever the hell we got from Siddig. So that's your submission? <laughs> Look, on the spot. I'm just saying there were other choices to make. You know what? Maybe uh, he gets to own a little bit of it, but I think the direction too, like, Get some more choices in the can. You know what I mean? Like it was. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. I, I I feel like they could have. I mean, honestly, just saying it normal would have been better than whatever. Yeah. That I was. mean, we got the explanation and like there's enough in the dialogue of what how Siddig or how Bashir is like unconscious and I'm the bad guy. We could have just done it straight because he played it straight the rest of the time. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. There's. Oh, well. You know, it's just tough. These these things happen very quickly, and there's not a lot of planning. But but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what my evil voice would be, but I, I don't I don't think you need to do yeah a voice. Anyway, uh, so evil Bashir threatens to blow up the ship and kill good Bashir if they don't let him go. Of course. Uh, but luckily, Dax has a plan to technobabble pulse and get Vantica out. And, uh, you know, they have a blah, blah, blah. Bashir kills one of the henchmen. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, like, the lighting now is, like, this very old school, like, 1940s noir. Like, only his eyes are in the light. Because he's evil. <laughs> um, I like the, and the, the technobabble tractor beam when we're going to get in a couple seconds, at least they'd make the effort to show sort of show the little, uh, the like override come through the tractor beam. Yeah. I mean, that's like cool. it, it's, it, it is cool. I mean, they're able to sort of send a, uh, that's a cool shot. That there, there's him. There's him killing his henchman. Uh, that's a great shot. I, I love that. And okay. So here is the, uh, the Chuckno babble pulse, uh, and it works. And Bashir's consciousness comes back. This is the scene right here, though. Ah! Ah! Oh no! Ah! <laughs> this, this 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 wasn't great. This... <laughs> oh! What? <laughs> what am I? It's it's not it's not great. It's not great. It's, it's nobody's fault. It's just not great. <laughs> anyway, so uh, he uh, gotta hit the ah! button. Did I do it? He's able to drop the shields <laughs> at the last second. Uh, and luckily, because it's Federation L cars, he knows what button to press. Yep. Otherwise, he'd have no idea. Because uh, why would Bashir know what the uh, what the shield button is? They beam him back onto the station. And uh, we have a Jekyll and Hyde moment mm -hmm. for a second. And uh, 
luckily Cisco shoots him before they sing confrontation. <laughs> he just Cisco made some assumptions. <laughs> I mean, you know, to be fair, it was it was stunned. Uh, although I really would have liked to have seen uh, this. <laughs> had to do the, what uh, I had to do. Do you ever think that I would ever let you go? But it's no! Hasselhoff just for a minute. Yes, I definitely only want the Hasselhoff yeah. version. <laughs> oh my god, I saw that live. You know, I saw Hasselhoff do it live. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you should be. And if you I, guess, I, folks, if you don't know what we're talking about, I can help you out. Just go to YouTube and type in David Hasselhoff, Jekyll and Hyde. The whole thing's up there. Yeah, the, he he came in as a replacement in the Broadway production near the end of the run, and he coughed uh, all over say, the place. I, I will say this: um, no disrespect to the Hoff. The Hoff's the man. He's Knight Rider forever, you know. However, uh, what you see on YouTube, which Mike, how would you describe the performance you see on YouTube? Uh, you know what I would I would call it evil Bashirian. Evil Bashirian, yes. Uh, I can say because I I saw him perform the show about four days before they filmed that. Um, I would say the work they did to improve his performance for that video was like James Cameron Ian. Okay. So right. it was much much worse even in real life. Anyway, no disrespect. I get it. You were you know good for you. Anyway. Um, I, I'm going to cut that. I don't even know how to say that. Anyway, that happened. Um, so, <laughs> all right. So what happens at the end here is it's Dax staying. beams Hannibal's consciousness into a blinky coaster. <laughs> yep. And uh, so, and that's a cool, that's a cool shot. That's a cool uh -huh. effect there. And uh, another cool shot. I mean, the, the, uh, the effects here are really great. Yes. I would um, say that my highest praise for the episode is I thought the special effects were very good. Yeah. They were they were excellent, and uh, happily, regular thirsty Bashir is back! Hooray! And uh, we finished the episode with uh, Clarice what? executing Medica's coaster by shooting her gun in the One infirmary, which seems like a security risk. Um, also, an execution. I, yeah, I don't think straight up murder. I have a lot of questions. At least we giggle and go to black. Yes, we giggle. <laughs> yeah, we had like the. At the end of every sitcom, it's like, ah, ha, 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 we just executed somebody by firing a weapon in our infirmary on a space station. But whatever, we're not going to worry about that. No, no. So uh, so there it is. There is the passenger on Deep Space Nine. All right. Well, you know what, you know what it's time for, Mike? I think I do. Uh, yes, let's do it. And now it's time for Mike and Deglio's Star Trek Vocabulary Quiz. Okay, our first quiz is, and, and this is said multiple times on the show, a subspace shunt. Yes, a subspace shunt. Well, Keith, it seems to be some sort of piece of uh, equipment that can be used as sort of like a manual override for various systems. It can be used to kind of hack in and like override security systems and things of that nature. Okay, you know what? I'll allow it. Affirmative. Uh, I, I'm unclear why it's in subspace, because mm -hmm. that's really a communications thing, but uh, whatever. We're, or why they're gonna... so easy to get a hold of that there are multiple overrides. It seems very unsafe. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it feels like a thin quirk could get you, though. Yeah, that's true. I think that's uh, that's important. All also, right, does so... anyone else feel weird with the word shunt? That doesn't feel right to me. Don't be dirty. Oh, God, it's so loud. <laughs> I don't know why that got so loud. I loaded another one because it always takes us more than the time. Mm -hmm. All right, so your second word is waste extraction. Well, Keith, in space, you know there's no gravity, so it's this tube you stick up your butt that sucks out the waste. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm afraid... Uh... Inaccurate, inaccurate, data in error. <laughs> although, although, you know what? To be fair, in your defense, um, Star Trek is famous for not really explaining... Uh, where where does the poop go? Because uh, we never see. <laughs> I just froze. Keith, it froze when it, this was the freeze. It went. Where does the poop go? Where does the poop go? These are all very important questions. Uh, in fact, we never see a bathroom on Star Trek, uh, at least through Next Generation. So. There's there's bathrooms on the map, but we never see it. We don't really talk about what is waste extraction, what happens. Uh, you know, I would have to, do they beam it out? I mean, no, I'm assuming. No, must... if when you're eating replicated food, you don't have real poop. I'm pretty sure they have real poop. You'd figure but, there's uh, some, some sort of zapper on the toilet that just disintegrate. Look how easily she disintegrated that thing. That's that. Maybe there's a phaser. Yeah. So you, you just have to phaser away your poop. Well, that's waste extraction. So, uh, anyway, that's some sort of a plumbing. All right. Well, boy, we are having a weird Wait, so episode. Wait, what was wrong? What is waste extraction? Well, we don't really know. We know that it's the plumbing. I mean, that's it's uh, a okay. it's it's however they extract waste, and it's always vague. But it's then, referenced. Uh, I don't many know. Times then I think the, the poop tube is should have been partial credit. But let's go on. I, I'm pretty sure there's no like tube suppository that people. I, I don't think. <laughs> Anyway, uh, well, if this couldn't get weirder, let's do the, uh, let's move along home to Okay. That is really disturbing, especially out of context, I have to say. Uh, well, just you wait. We're about to put it in context. Now? Today? Uh, not today. Okay. But soon. Let's uh, let's talk about, Mike, were there any wormholes in the plot? Um, well, uh, maybe. So my issue is, is the voice. And as you said, the voice indicates who's in control. Right. Now, you seem you seem to imply when I asked the question before that from the very beginning of the episode, pass, uh what's the bad guy's name? Vantica. Vantica is in the forefront. Um is or has is, the ability to be in the forefront. Oh, okay. So that's what I'm saying. Like, is he switching on and off? Like, is Bashir yes. Bashir for some of it? Yeah, my understanding is that he's he's there able to to take control. But then, 
when he when he doesn't want to take control, he lets Bashir be in charge without realizing that he's been zombified. Well, because it seems like later in the episode, when Bashir comes back, he's all confused and he's like, "Where am I? Where am I at? Where am I at?" Right. Um, so, but so why isn't before when he lets him Bashir, when he when he takes over that he doesn't um, know? I guess because he does it at night. Maybe he's sleeping. Yeah, I, I I think he's able to take over Bashir without Bashir knowing. But I, I think the the reason Bashir was so confused because, oh, because they he sucked wasn't, him out right before. Well, he well because he was on a, a like an unfamiliar ship yeah. with like bodies all around him. All right. Well, what what purpose would he have for letting Bashir go back in charge? Oh, so that people wouldn't get suspicious because he wouldn't. I don't think he had Bashir's knowledge. Oh, he didn't have back. He's not. He didn't. Couldn't like trill it and like have access to all the. Well, but but I guess maybe that is a wormhole in the plot, right? Because he's able to use Bashir's security codes to get control of the runabout. So he had access to Bashir's knowledge, but maybe he just thought it would be he'd be much better at faking it if it was actual Bashir. Let's just. I'm going to put it this way. I feel that the 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 possession slash uh, machinations of that whole thing are a little loosey goosey, which led yes. to some confusion. But uh, that's the best I can say as far as worm. I don't have anything else. Although, do you? Well, I think my my biggest question, and it's not necessarily a hole in the plot. It's just a the security system and plan you know, to do this transfer was just handled in a very, you know, convenient for television, but incompetent way. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Odo and even Primin clearly not incompetent. And, and they would have, I think just handled that all much differently and much more carefully. It it was because it's a bit of a MacGuffin. I don't really know what the substance was or, you know, why, how they were trying to protect it. What were they expecting to happen? Um, but they just handled it weirdly. Well, it um, also seems weird that like they seem to indicate not only do you have two high security officials on board, but it seemed like he's like we're stretched thin, meaning they had a whole team of people with all these different things going on, and and no one's checking the logs to see if like any unauthorized or unscheduled runabouts are going on out. You know what I mean? Well, and also, and also here's another one, right? So if if they are so freaked out about the security of this shipment. Yeah, why not have a security and official then, go out and escort them in? Well, but also the ship itself, right? It comes out of the wormhole. Uh, the, it has no defenses. The ship itself has no defenses. The, a runabout, a shuttlecraft goes out there and they're able to just beam on and shoot anybody. They don't have any security on the ship. They don't have they don't have their shields up so they can just beam on. They don't have any, any defenses whatsoever. It, it was weird, like... It, it was it was just odd that if it was so important, it was so scary or whatever, they had no defenses whatsoever. So Vantica didn't need to be on the station at all. All he needed was any ship, and he could beam on and take it at any point along the way in the transfer. Uh, so it didn't... That didn't make any sense. I agree. Uh, all right. So uh, let's talk about our favorite moment in this uh, episode, Mike. Well, spoiler alert, not the strongest episode we've seen. Uh so little moments spoke to me, and I got to tell you, my favorite moment in this episode, Keith, was the moment where Odo uh, quits, and mm. and Ben Cisco is like, "Yeah, no, you don't. Uh, I love you, buddy. 
I think you're awesome. I wouldn't want anybody else in your position. Now suck it up and go teamwork. I thought it was a great moment for them as, it was a great human moment for Ben to, to Odo, and it was yeah. a great leadership moment of of being able to be forceful and also, and also the previous scene, I'm going to tie them together, because he's respectful to the Federation, but he also lays the smack down, and he's like, no, right. this is how it's going to go. So that little, that beat there is actually my favorite bit of the episode. Yeah, and I I, I agree with you, and I think that, you know, when we talk about the the rating, <clears throat> I'm going to talk about this, but about the lack of these. But for me, the strongest part about this show are the little character beats, right? Because the rest of it doesn't really matter, right? So for me, it's the it's the Odo Quark discussion about Odo sort of being, you know, uh, solitude and and you know we we're sort of hitting this pretty hard that he's a he's a he's a loner. Um, but you know, I I like that dynamic, obviously, um, and I like learning a little bit more about Odo and his dynamic with Primin, his sort of defensiveness and vulnerability there. Um, but he sticks up for himself. It, you know, anything in the show. You know what? I'm going to save it for the rating. Let's go to the okay. rating. Uh, no, but I'd like to go backwards in time for a second. Okay. Hit me and with this is maybe wormhole. maybe this is something. It's not a wormhole, but it, it it didn't didn't fit well with me with what we've established. And you and I kind of hinted at it earlier. And maybe things will progress later in the series. But as we stand now, I always felt like one thing I I liked about Quark and about the Ferengi is their risk assessment. They'll do mm. some shady shit, but they generally assess risk and more so than risk where they can have leverage. And it seemed to me like this seemed a silly time for Quark to go full help the bad guy when perhaps he could have used this potential plot to garner some favor and leverage mm. with Cisco and the, the 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 protagonists it seemed weird for him to just kind of like go in on this uh, exchange hire all these mercenaries have this exchange of a really dangerous thing doesn't it just didn't seem like smart on his part i think that's an excellent point actually um both in terms of Quark's behavior in this episode, but also understanding the Ferengi, you know, the, the risk assessment, how can I benefit from this? That really, that makes a great deal of sense. And I, I think that's a good observation, especially only eight episodes in about Quark and about the Ferengi. And you, you're right. There are two things that Quark is in this episode, which we haven't seen him before. Um, Going under the assumption that Vantica has this horrible super weapon goo or whatever, and it's a possibility of like, killing people like a lot of people that would that means that what quark did here was both reckless right just so sloppy so reckless he's meeting in his own shop they're just like walking to the runabout with with goons like with no plan to cover it up just reckless and ill thought out but also uh like bad <laughs> like actually like helping a terrorist bad um and neither one of those things have we seen from Quark before. And so it's, it doesn't, this episode does not treat the character of Quark very well. It, it's an episode that doesn't quite understand Quark. Mm -hmm. um, and I think does some damage to the character, uh, which is going to tie into my, uh, to my rating thoughts here about why uh, I agree with you. This is not a good episode of Deep Space Nine. Um, so uh, do you want to go first or should I go? Um, you go I, first. Okay, sure. You, you usually have more salient thoughts, anyhow. 
Um, look, I'll give it this. I think you're going to probably knock it for its mystery more than I. I actually found that I didn't catch on as quickly as you. I thought they presented enough red herrings and enough po- plausible other suspects. Now, look, the machinations of it, the fact that he could transfer, like that wasn't a relevation. Obviously, that was pretty easy to figure out. Um, so I thought that that was pretty good. Unfortunately, generally the show does a much better job of tying the stakes and the plot lines and the character beats together. And I felt a, a sheer lack of cohesion in this episode. There didn't seem to be a real, they didn't even give a lot of backstory as to why this transportate, this transport of this material was happening or why it was dangerous or what it was even. It, it just seemed to be a machination of a plot point. Like you said, a MacGuffin. And Quark's a little reckless. The whole team, I like that we get a lot of, you and I love a board board meeting where everybody's kind of strategizing. <laughs> right. And we got a lot of that. So that was cool. Uh, you know, I, I won't even go into detail about the the bad guy Bashir performance. We're going to give him, we're letting him off the hook because he got the script late, I guess. Uh, that's cool. It was what it was. But the point was, is it wasn't earned, is the, I think the biggest deal. Uh, though I will say I felt that the sort of transfer of consciousness idea uh, as a bad guy escaping death is cool, although they mm-hmm. kind of telegraphed that it happened. She the, Also, I felt like they underutilized the, the security officer from the other ship, the, the Clarice. It seemed like she could have been a bigger part of the episode and then just commits uh, genocide, or a, a murder at the end. Homicide at the end. Uh, yeah, like I, like you had, you're going to talk about. I'm sure the the little character beats were the better parts. Um, I thought we got to. I, there's some good Odo development here. Some good stuff from Ben. Uh, even Kira gets some kind of fun parts at the in the beginning. And I thought the Odo, also the security Odo, Odo team up bit seemed like it was going to go somewhere, but it didn't really go somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. It just felt a little bit lackadaisical, and 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 since we've had such strong episodes up to this point, I think it's it, it was glaring. So yeah, yeah, I'm gonna say when it comes to self sealing stem bolts, Keith. Mm, yes, uh, I'm working on something. Uh, it turns out that uh, rhyming self sealing stem bolts isn't that easy, so I'm going a different tactic. Uh, oh, hopefully oh. next week we'll have something for that. Okay, all right. How um, many? But bolts anyway, in the bolts. Uh, uh, this is subpar. This is subpar. Uh, I'm gonna go. Six, sixty-one point eight three. Oh, for Christ's sake! Self-sealing stem bolts. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, no. I, I, there's, I don't think there's, there's much you can defend about this episode. It's just, it's not, it's not offensive. Like there, there are a couple of episodes coming up that are kind of offensive, but this, it's not offensive. It's just. It's just, it's not a Deep Space Nine episode mm. in the sense that. This just in, it, Keith. It, you know, it is. It is, as a matter of well, fact. Well, I mean, technically, right? But this plot, this story could be attached to any Star Trek show. You could throw yeah, it on okay. Next Gen, throw it on the original series, throw it on Discovery, whatever. The basic plot machinations aren't specific to the show or these characters. So, which is why the characters themselves sort of serve as plot devices and not people. So, so Quark is acting out of, out of character, and so it's, it's just sort of lacking the storytelling, character development beats. It's just sort of a, sort of like a who done it, and 
And look, I really like like the mystery part, the you know the the subdermal generator and the consciousness transferring. Like, cool. All right, that's fine. I I don't mind that. If you just write that into a story involving our characters being characters, uh, great. You know, I, I I don't mind you know a Federation security person tangling with with Odo, right? That makes sense. Like, why wouldn't mm-hmm. the Federation have their own security here, and why wouldn't Odo tangle with them? And you know, it's a beat we're gonna do later a little bit better than this episode. Um, you know, the, okay. uh, the performance wise, it, it was tough. They didn't set up people for success here. Um, you know, and it's I I liked the effects. I liked some of the the sciency stuff, but the the logic of it, um, of the actual, of, of Vantica's plan and their defense of the plan was, it, it was kind of lazy. It kind of, it, it seemed like it was all a setup, right? To give uh, an opportunity for this amazing performance, right? It seemed like a let's, let's set up somebody to give this crazy great performance and then the rest of it doesn't really matter. Right. Well, you didn't you didn't get that. You know, you didn't you didn't get the time or the execution to give us a a cool acting beat either. So, it ended up just sort of being uh, kind of messy and kind of boring and not really a good representation of the show. Um so, you know, look, it's a it, it, it's season 1. It's a show finding its feet. Um it's trying to figure out what it is and how they're going to handle it. And much like in the first couple of seasons of The Next Generation, the, some of their stories and plots were recycled, right? Mm-hmm. They were either rewrites, and like a, a redo of original series episodes, like The Naked Now. The second episode of, of Next Gen is basically just a copy-paste redoing of an original series episodes. And sometimes they had episodes that they had written for a different series um, they were when they were going to do phase two. They had leftover scripts that they sort of adapted into the next gen. It, it's one of the reasons that the first couple of seasons of the next gen are so terrible, um, because they were just sort of recycling other things. And this feels like a, you know, a script that wasn't good enough to be filmed for next gen. They're like, ah, oh, let's just do it on Deep Space Nine, and they did some copy replace on some of these characters, and uh, made it happen. So it just wasn't. It, it wasn't good. I'm not gonna. I, I'm not going to pretend like this was a good episode. It wasn't a good episode. There it is. And so uh, when you're not that good, you don't get that many self-sealing stem bolts. So uh, you get 63 self-sealing stem bolts from me. So uh, that leaves us with only one more thing to do, and that is announce what the next episode is. Mike, I'm excited. This is going to be uh, this is going to be fun. This is going to fill in some very important holes for you, Mike. Because next episode is Move Along Home. We're yes, gonna find out what the Alamoremis are all about. It's uh, it is a famous episode of uh, Deep Space Nine. It is not a wait. Loved is that the one we just did with toys? Where like Ben's wearing like his weird like fishing gear and stuff? No. No. Okay. Oh, that no, was like no. season seven or something. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I don't even know what you're talking about, okay. but it's not that. Um, okay. <laughs> that's not even the, that's not even the same show. Those were next generation toys. So Al Maremis, Keith, that's what we're doing. Next yeah, week. So we are going to explain the Al Maremis, the creepy guy. We're going to meet. We're going to do all of that and see. Uh, one of, spoiler alert: 
what was voted by the fans on the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, one of the top five worst episodes of Star Trek wow. in all of space, time, and canon. But, but, there are folks out there who like this episode. There are folks out there who will defend this episode. It's a very ambitious episode. So uh, I'm really excited to talk next week about Come Along Home. One last thing before we go, Keith. If there are folks out there, and I bet there are, that will defend this episode, even though it's going to be edited within an inch of its life because of all the dropouts we had, uh, no they defending can, our episode. They can you show their to... support at patreon.com slash K and M. And you can, uh, we always do appreciate those who've already uh, yes. subscribed and, or whatever and folks, the word is. Whether you're in the Patreon or not, uh, we want to know what you think about this episode of Deep Space Nine or even us, whatever. Uh, leave a comment below on the YouTube or you can find us on the, uh, the Patreon. We're really happy to hear from you. Uh, so uh, we will see you back next week with move along home till then this has been thank you for watching KM entertainment if you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense please like and subscribe or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash knm <laughs>